Naomi, you should put that on your website. Yeah, I, mean, I know. We'll, we'll make you want to fire your therapist. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Finding Mr. Hyde, the podcast. I'm Allie, back with my co-host, Erica. Erica, we are a week out from being back from our Greece trip. I finally feel like I'm back in the swing of things, but also that means we're no longer on vacation. Yeah, unfortunately. Unfortunately, I'm back in work mode, Um, but I have been a lot better about the work-life balance, personally. I feel like I was a little uh, Europe-inspired, let's say. I I totally agree, and I also think I've done a much better job coming back from vacation this time at getting my sleep schedule back on track. Have Sunset Lake CBD to thank for that, really. There's sleep gummies with the melatonin. You know, I was using that time shifter app, and one of the things it recommends when you're getting onto the new time zone is taking melatonin when you sleep. Those gummies are just lifesavers for me. Yeah, and all the girls on the trip were talking about it in the group chat. A bunch of people mm-hmm. took it for their plane ride, and it helped them sleep and get back on schedule. Uh, so everyone also... I don't know if this is bad to say or good to say. A lot of people were like very surprised how well they work. And how effective. Yeah. Yeah. Help you not only get like stay asleep because that's usually what people take melatonin for, but get to sleep. So I took, I definitely took one on the plane there and back. And uh, I mean, you know, I've always been a fan. So yeah, I'm a huge fan. I also like that other sleep aids that I've tried make me groggy when I wake up. And Sunset Lake CBD really doesn't, especially if I don't, if I'm not able to get that much sleep, like, you know, I can only get six or seven hours, which for me is not enough, but I don't feel groggy, even if I wake up earlier than I would want to. Yeah. I've never had uh, any post feeling either uh, after I wake up. No, it's great. So if you want to try it for yourself, you can go to sunsetlakecbd.com, use our promo code FMH220. You can get 20% off all of their products, not just the sleep gummies. Yeah. It's very clutch for travel. So get to it. So I've talked a little bit on the pod about how I've been trying to extend my damp January into into future months. And I have really been enjoying recess mocktails as a way to have what feels like a fancy drink at home, but without the alcohol. Yeah. And also it's nice to have something in your fridge that just has a little bit of flavor. Totally. And they're, they're delicious. They're made with real fruit, sweetened with agave, and again, 0% alcohol. So just a nice, nice little flavorful drink. That is a little little play on our favorites here. They got a bunch of great flavors. My personal favorite is the Recess Watermelon Mojito. I actually like to garnish it like it's an actual cocktail. Like I put it in a coupe glass, feel it all fancy, garnish it with a little sprig of mint. It is delicious. And my favorite is the Recess Ginger Lime Mule. I'm a ginger gal. And what I love also, not too sweet. Perfect amount of just a little little sweet treat. They're absolutely delicious, and you can get 15% off recess mocktails now at takearecess.com slash FMH, so you can enjoy your favorite cocktails without the consequences. Yeah, so uh, big week. Big week. Big week. Big week. Last week, you were frustrated on the publicist communication, so Mm -hmm. I'm sure everybody wants the update on that. Yeah, so I continue to be frustrated. I also, don't let me forget, I also want to update, I got finally got my fucking pair ring in the mail. Oh yeah, I saw you post. So, about that. yeah, I won't bury the lead on the publicist. We'll start there, but don't let me forget. I want to. I do want to okay. tell the people about the pairing. <laughs> pairing. Um. So. Yeah. So last week, you know, throughout the Greece trip, and then also in the days after we got back, was feeling really frustrated about the communication with the publicist and feeling like you know we we talked about it last week. Like I was going ninety and I wasn't. I was barely getting ten. Right. 
And I was hoping in coming back that I would see some of that reciprocation. Like we were saying on the recording, like I really wanted to have him meet me halfway and suggest when we were going to hang out and, you know, reestablish our connection, et cetera. And, and that didn't happen. Mm. And I, you know, I was, I was thinking about it and I was thinking about it and I just, the space that that lack of communication gave me that space allowed me to think more or not allowed me, but like enabled me, whatever, got me thinking more about pieces of incompatibility that I had already been thinking about, things that like you and I had discussed that I'd been talking about with my close friends that I will say up top, we said it on the Patreon because the patrons have have known this update for over a week now. Um, it It might feel frustrating to you listening to this as somebody who is not you, Erica, but you, the listeners. Um, <laughs> yeah, not me, because I know. Suck it. Because you know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everybody. <laughs> you can join the Patreon for more details, or you can be Erica for even more yeah. details. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Um, sorry. Anyway, um, so it it might feel frustrating hearing this because there are details of our ultimate incompatibility that I am not sharing publicly for Mm -hmm. both of our privacy purposes. And also just because it's like no one did anything wrong in being incompatible in these ways. Like, and you know, and it's just, we're not compatible people. Um, I guess I've kind of buried the lead that I did end things, but I'll get to, I'll get to it. But I just do want to, I do want to say, I do want to acknowledge that because I know Mm -hmm. people want the details and I would too. Mm-hmm. And there's just some details that are going to be kept to me, um, and just you know, I hope that people know and and trust that there's a very good reason for that. And it's you know, we are both real people living our real lives, and you know, they're just that's that's what I have to say on that, I guess. So basically, I remember last week we recorded, and you were sitting there. And because I said I would have been even more stubborn than you, I don't even know if I would have reached out. And not saying that's the best tactic, everybody listening, okay? Um, <laughs> but you were talking to him, and basically, I felt like you were waiting for him to say, like, "Oh, so what do you got going on tomorrow?" Right. Or let's right, get together right. sometime, so, some plan, because the man's been yeah. good at planning the whole time. Very. And then we felt a shift. Yeah. So, so I want, so yeah, I wanted to like just kind of up top be like. You know, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the things, the thing, the space. So, so he didn't do that and he wasn't doing that. And that gave me a lot of space to think about, okay, this thing is, this thing that I really liked is gone. This consistency, this, you know, secure attachment vibe mm-hmm. from him is gone. And that gave me more space and, and more time to think about the pieces of compatibility that I had already been sort of questioning, but that were like far outweighed by or not far away but at had at the time been outweighed by like other pieces of our connection mm-hmm. so he didn't do that and I over the course of the next several days after we recorded that episode came to the conclusion that the other pieces of incompatibility that I had been grappling with were too important and that like I didn't want to continue to try to work through what our communication might look like and like kind of trying to work through figuring out you know oh is he going to ask me to hang out or like should I do that like I ultimately was like you know what 
this doesn't feel good. And like, if this were the only thing, mm-hmm. then maybe it would be something, it probably would be something that I would like want to talk about and work through. But like, given the other things that I was already kind of grappling with about whether we were long-term compatible, uh, this is it for me. Um, I don't know if it's rude for me to ask, but I feel like with literally the space of you were gone two weeks and then the space this past week, was there kind of something along the lines of not feeling this strong urge of wanting to see him and, and maybe not, I don't know, missing him as much as maybe you thought you would? Yeah, well, that's part of it for sure. Like, because the other, yeah, because I think I'm trying to like conceptualize how to say this because I was not, let's put it this way. I I was bothered by the lack of communication. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I also then like my mind immediately was like, well, this is now kind of bringing up some of the other things that like, I don't know if this makes us like totally long-term compatible. And I don't think my mind goes there if I was just in the place of like, man, I really want to talk to him. I really want to see him when I get back. Like that, that wasn't where my head was at and that you're right. Like that was totally part of it. And I, we video chatted, right. And I loved seeing him. Like I really enjoyed that video chat. Like I talked about before, like that was really, really great, Mm. but it didn't negate all of those other feelings. Yeah. I just, I feel like I've heard people talk about kind of, you know, those breaks of vacations and stuff like that are very telling for both people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because as you said, you felt like he also kind of pulled back. So maybe he also was sitting there going, oh, that was really fun and we were having a great time, but I don't have this like, I don't know. I don't want to say excitement because that sounds mean. Like pull toward this person? Yeah. Like this this feeling of like, I can't wait for them to get back. And and you know, you went on how many dates? Like eight, nine, nine. I, I lost count. I, nine like, like hangouts. Page. I don't know if I'd call them all dates. Right, but you know, we talked about it. Of like, you essentially hit the quote twelve date matchmaker Maria rule. Oh yeah, you're doing and then long so. dates and talking a lot and calling each other. So it's like okay to be at that point, you should be the fuck yes, as we say. Completely, yeah. And, and up until then, I think the way that I had been approaching it was more like, I don't think I need to know yet. Like, I don't think I need to know, and I still don't think I needed to know that I was going to, like, marry the dude, right? But, like, I was still kind of in that point where I was like, I don't think I need to know if I want this person to be my boyfriend quite Mm -hmm. yet. Yeah. And I I totally agree with you. Like, the place that I kind of got to when we were away was like, I think I want to know. Like, I, at this point, in not necessarily from a time perspective, but, like, you know, not because, oh, it's been six weeks or oh, but just the amount of time that I've spent with this person, the like level of deep conversations that I've had with this person. Like, I think I, I think I do want to know if I want to date them exclusively again, not saying like, oh, I need to know that I'm going to marry them. Cause I don't think that's possible for me specifically at that point. But like mm-hmm. I did, I got to that point where I was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm still not sure. And I think for me that that feels like an issue. Yeah, it doesn't feel good to not be sure. No. Both and on your I, end up or until the other then, person's end, you know. Right. And up until then, I was truly at peace with not being sure. I was like, I, this is great. I'm I'm exploring a connection. I really like hanging out with him. Mm-hmm. And if I hadn't left, who knows if that how much longer that would have continued. I do think ultimately the pieces of long-term compatibility that I 
was talking about wouldn't, wouldn't have gone anywhere. Like those would have been true, but I think it probably would have taken me longer to get there had I yeah. not had that space mm-hmm. to realize like, oh yeah, like I don't, this isn't this like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to see this person feeling that I want to have. Yeah. And obviously I don't want to like speak for you or push you one way or the other, but you know, I did say this on the Patreon. I, I kind of felt it from you. Yeah. I was like, I, I just, you you're not sold and I don't know what it is that you're not sold. And a lot of times we don't even know ourselves. You're like, this is a great person. This is a wonderful person. And we have no bad things really to say about this man whatsoever. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I do wish he so, handled our communication while I was gone a little bit better, but like, you know, it doesn't make him a bad person at all. No, not at all. And also it's like, okay, what? I don't know how many weeks, six weeks. It's like six weeks of consistency. Then one week where you're like, mm, this feels weird, right. whatever. But ultimately whatever. it's like great person, not the person for me. And we've all been in that situation where you're on a date being like, why am I not into this? Yeah. And there's no hard reason to find to, to not be into this person. Yeah. So, so that's where, that's where I had gotten to. And I was like, it, as I was thinking, cause we were still talking like, mm-hmm texting you know whatever but nobody had brought up seeing each other and I'm like I I could keep doing this or I could just call it because I'm feeling like that's where we're at and do I want to continue to like drag out this conversation with somebody whether or not he's feeling the same thing or not if he's not Mm -hmm. I absolutely don't want to drag it out but if he is then like Like, are we playing chicken? Like, I'll just, I'll do it. Mm -hmm. So a few days after we recorded, so a few more days of like talking, but like not that consistently and like no mention of seeing each other, I texted and asked if he had time to talk on the phone that night. Mm -hmm. And he had previously not mentioned this to me, but he was having like a very, very busy week at work. Like he doesn't have his phone, literally doesn't, ha- isn't allowed to have his phone doing what he was uh, doing okay. um, during the day. And so he was on, he like texted me when he was like having lunch or something and was able to be on his phone. And then he was like, he's like, I'm about to put my phone away again, but like, yes, I should be home at this time, whatever. And he's like, this week has been absolutely insane, et cetera, et cetera. And I, in my head, I'm like, I, I would have understood that Mm -hmm. like if going into the week of not that much communication, if he'd been like, Hey, I'm about to go into this thing and I'm not going to be at my phone like all day, every day, which I would have gotten that, like just say something. Right. Yeah. I mean, I tell people when, you know, like I said, I go, if I go abroad, I'm like, I'm often on airplane mode and I don't, I don't have data on for my stuff. So I'm going to be a real delayed response. And people are like, okay. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. Right. Like all you have to do is just like say like one sentence. One sentence yeah. would have taken care of all of our communication issues. Mm-hmm. So I went into this conversation thinking that he was on the same page as me of ending things because in my head I'm like this man has been such a good communicator. If he if the only reason he was distant was truly because of work, feels like he would have said that, mm-hmm. like upfront. So I was going into this conversation thinking that like I was just going to say what we were both thinking. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think it's a big thing to assume, honestly. 
Because, like, I, you know, I, okay, I know you're going to probably hate what I'm about to say. Oh, okay. You know how people say the, like, one who loves more in relationships? Uh, yeah, like, go, go like, tell have, me more about, tell me more about okay. that. Okay, like, I've dated people, and then people pointed out to me, they're like, Erica, you were the one that loved more in that relationship. You were the more invested, you were the more into it than the other person, and, yeah. like, it never, it never balanced out. Let's just say it that way, all right? Oh, got it, Okay. Your relationship with this guy or dating this guy, I think it was very clear. Like, he was the one that loved more. Maybe it wasn't clear from your perspective, but, like, from my perspective, I I felt like he was more into it than you were. Nothing wrong with that. But that's why I was like, yeah, I don't I don't think he would be so quick to call it, I guess. Yeah, and, I mean, I won't speak on the first part because... I I, I, you know. I know I'm like I figured you're not gonna like that saying and I yeah. I have mixed feelings about it I'll be honest but there is something to like seeing a couple and and maybe not let's say loves more but like some advice I've gotten from people is they're like oh you want people to like meet you and really feel like your partner really adores you and loves you and obviously yeah. vice versa but there's something to being around people and it's like I think maybe it's just more apparent when you see the woman not like. It being the one that loves more, sorry. And I've had yeah. that. And it's just like very obvious where it's like, you're very into this. This person's kind of, you know, I don't want to say like jerking you around, but it almost feels that way where you're like, hey, why why isn't this a little more reciprocated? I'm not saying yeah, that's I how mean, I felt on the thing. Just in general, I was like, yeah. from day one, I just felt, I'm like, wow, this guy really, really is into Allie and really is also on board with everything that you do. Mm-hmm. And that's a big on paper thing for you and for I. That is very hard to find in someone. So that for also, sure. you know, it's hard sure. to go. But but I would see. I would guess he would be like, oh, let's work through whatever the issue is. But you hit the point. You were like, I I think this is done. Yeah. Well, I think the reason that I went in thinking that he was going to be on the same page is because I've had this experience before, where mm-hmm. I feel somebody pulling away, and it turns out to be because they were just trying to slow fade me. Okay. Yeah, fair. And like play chicken with me and get mm-hmm. me to break up with them so that they don't have to be the bad guy. Right. Or like, I, I mean, <laughs> it's something I've, I've felt this where I'm like, you can't just break up with someone out of nowhere. They got to like kind of see it coming. <laughs> like you feel, you feel less mean if you're almost like given little hints along the way. Does that sound crazy? A little bit. <laughs> You know, like, or it's almost like I know you text you mean, them like, though. hey, can we talk tonight? And that gives a signal of like something is up. Yeah. So, so, so I think it's my past experiences that brought me into it thinking he was going to be on the same page because like mm. I've had the, I've had multiple experiences throughout my life. And I think a lot of people listening can probably relate where like, kind of like you said about last week that I thought was really apt about how it, the onus should be on the person who's upset to say something. But oftentimes I think, especially as women who date men, this comes up a lot where you'll feel like the other person is upset or pulling away, but like they don't say anything about it and you have to be the one to bring it up. Mm -hmm. That's happened to me before. So I think like that, that was my mindset kind of going in. I was like, okay, I think, I think we're both on the same page and like one of us just has to say something and like, it'll be me. So we have this conversation. You're correct that he, I think, I truly do think he ultimately 
maybe even soon was going to get to the place I got in terms mm-hmm. of our long-term compatibility. Yeah, maybe he was thinking, let's hang out or sorry, yes. go out a few more times and yes. feel it out because you didn't see him, you know, in what, three weeks at that point? It had been three weeks by the time we yeah. had this conversation, yeah. Right. Um, so I, I do think he ultimately would have gotten there, but he was at the time in the conversation at a place of he – did t- he did tell me that he had, in his words, freaked out a little bit at like – like I don't know not necessarily he specifically said it wasn't because of how fast we were moving because like we weren't objectively we weren't moving that quickly Mm -hmm. um but more so I think he's had those experiences in the past of moving really quickly and I think he was it just made him a little nervous and he reacted in a way that he wishes he hadn't in terms of like his communication again these are his words Mm -hmm. um but he wanted to work through that. Like he was like on the other side of it in a sense, or like wanted to come onto the other side of it. Mm-hmm. But I, I said to him, I was like, you know, do you think that, because I'd already kind of said my piece about some of our, my long-term compatibility questions. And I said like, do you think some of that was because you were also grappling with these things of mm-hmm. like, is this not right? Yeah. You know? Um, and so, yeah, so we had, we had a really, it was an hour long conversation. It was a really good conversation. Um, we both have like a lot of respect for the other person. Um, he said some like really, really kind things about, you know, the qualities that he likes about me and I, you know, similar to him and, you know, I, something that I also really appreciated that in the, in the absence of it. This account, this podcast, didn't mention it once. Mm, okay. Like zero factor. Mm-hmm. And I already knew that in my heart of hearts because of how open he and I had been about it and because like I knew that he was comfortable with every single thing that I've ever shared because I've talked to him about it. Yeah, he helped you film some of your stuff. Literally, yeah. Literally yeah. helped me make things. And like mm-hmm. I actually had to involve him less than he even like <laughs> – I cut him out. I cut him out of things that he would have absolutely been in. Right. So I knew in my heart of heart of hearts that that wasn't a factor. But it was also just really validating to have him like – he actually did kind of tangentially ten- – tangentially that's not even the right pronunciation whatever he did actually kind of like secondhand (laughs) mention it because one of the things that he said that he really admires about me is how open and vulnerable I am not only with him but with the world Mm -hmm. and I really appreciated that but I, I say all of this to say that like you mentioned that it is it's not every day that you come across somebody that is going to embrace what I do what you do yeah. With like open arms. And it was just really nice and validating to see this really great person who's ultimately not great for me, but still like an amazing person, such a great catch mm-hmm. who, who does embrace that and knowing, okay, that means that I will find that again with somebody who is the right match for me. Yeah. It's, you need a, it takes a very confident person to date someone that is very public about their life in any way. For sure. Because it's like very easy to have anxieties of like, what are they going to say? Or what are they going to tell other people? Um, so I think, I think that just shows he, he was a very like secure and confident person in himself. And yeah, obviously like I said before, 
with the loves more, it's more, it's like this feeling of like, I, I did feel like he really, you know, adored you. And I think that's what made me a fan of him. And also the listeners a fan of him is it felt like, Oh, Allie's finally got her guy that really is treating her well and like putting you on a pedestal a little bit in a good way. That's like, wow, yeah. he really, really is all about her. And there's, and the no inconsistency and you know, all the other stuff we could compare to like past guys. But like Completely. that that is what you want with your friends, right? But like I said before, that's easy from the outside to go, well, this guy's amazing and you should be with this guy, but I'm not the one in the relationship with him. Yeah. Yeah, but no, and like, I appreciate that perspective. Because you're right, I do want someone who adores me and I want to adore them right back. Exactly. And, you know, I, I want that. And and it's a it's a balance. I think it's it ebbs and flows and um but yeah, that that's absolutely what I want. And I think I'm like I'm framing it. It made me very sad to end things, mm. not because I was questioning whether it was the right thing, but because it's a great person, you know, and like yeah. it just sucks when something ends and no one did anything wrong. Um, it made so it made me very sad to end it, but I'm also really heartened and hopeful from meeting him and dating him mm-hmm. that like I will meet somebody else who adores me in that way and that I adore in that way and that is you know a long-term match for me so yeah I think it's great to finally not finally but it's always great to experience someone that raises the bar in a way Mm -hmm. and also on top of it this is someone you met online on a dating app yeah and it's I guess a little lesson for all of us of like there are great people on these apps there are. Yeah. It often feels like there aren't, but it's like there are. At the end of the day, there are many, many good men. And I think of this situation with the publicist. I think of like my sister has a great guy that she met on Hinge in New York City. Like, I because I myself feel it all the time. I'll be on the app like this just feels like it's never going to work for me. So it is yeah. nice to finally hear some stories where it's like, hey, this was a random person from an app and turns out they were a great man. It ended up not being the man for me, but Still it gives you man. more hope, I guess, to keep trying in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. And we said this early when I was first dating him. It just takes one good date. Like yep. literally on the heels of our dating app fatigue. I think by the time our dating app fatigue episode came out, I had already been yeah. on my first date with him. Right. And it just completely and it shifts your energy. Completely. It's like, man, a week ago, I was listening back to the episode being like, man, a week ago, I was in such a dark place on the apps and feeling so annoyed and fatigued and overwhelmed and et cetera. And then... One good date. Mm-hmm. That's all it takes. One. Yeah. So. So yeah, that is uh, that is the the a wrap on the publicist. Um. And yeah, that's that. There's not not a, I, I will get to the pairing. I haven't forgotten, but not a whole lot of other guy updates. Mister Chaotic is still like in the mix. We did text us when I was in Greece, like I talked about before. Um, we were like trying to make a hangout work while we were overlapping in New York and it didn't. So honestly, I don't know if our lifestyles are compatible. Like he is all over the place and obviously Mm -hmm. I've been traveling a lot too, but normally I'm traveling more now than I typically am. Yeah. He is like, he's quite literally not, he lives in two different cities in the sense that he has an apartment in the other one. Oh, okay. like that's how often he's not here. And there's also a third city that he goes to often for work. So it's tough. It yeah, I think establishing I think it might be I think it could be okay if I were dating that person, like if I was in a relationship with that person, I could make that work. Yeah, but it's hard to build to that point. 
when yeah, they're exactly. literally not here. Very right. Hard. Like getting to know someone in early dating when they're in your city, like sporadically is really hard. Really tough. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see with that one, I guess. Yeah. Um, we shall. And uh, yeah, that's, I've been, I'm on the apps. I mean, I was already on them. I never left, but uh, I've updated them with some grease photos, did a few new prompts. I'm, I don't have any conversations going now, but I'm hopeful. I have a question. So we had, uh, yeah. the people are at the live show, they know we had Jared Freed critique our profiles. Oh, yeah, yeah. Did you change anything based on Jared's advice? I'm curious. Did I change anything based on Jared's advice? So he saw my bumble. So I'm trying to think about, I mean, I changed out pictures, but he didn't have any critique on the pictures for either of us, actually. Yeah. But it answers, um, we had a couple critiques. I actually did shift some of mine. Oh, you did? What did you change? I did. So one thing I did, I put, and I thought this would be enticing to a conversation mm-hmm. uh was that i just moved to la oh yeah oh and right he and was he like has, sometimes yeah. men will see that and think like oh they, they need a tour guide and it's going to be a lot of work yeah and i, I, mean, I think later, that sometimes when i see it right and i thought later after the show i was like well but that's the thing about new york is there's there is like a lot of tourist stuff to do and la i don't feel that it's like see the hollywood sign and hike runyon canyon and that's that's all i got like yeah like in new york people might think that you're going to want them to take you to like the statue of liberty and the empire state building and shit like that or navigating around in new york because it's not you get in your car you put in a gps and put you drive yes yeah. it's like navigating the subway system there's there's a lot more hecticness to new york so yeah very true. i was like maybe that's why you know jared lives in new york but but i took that advice i was like oh you know what maybe he has a good point so i just um i put since i'm back and forth i changed like the very bottom of my bio to have a little pin and I say comedian between New York City and L.A. Oh, I love that. Because I'm in, I'm in New York a little bit longer than I anticipated this time. I'm back, back in L.A. mid-July now. So Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I did that. And then, and then I changed. Oh, this I thought was hilarious because it, <laughs> it didn't come across this way to me. I had an answer about like, I'll be a great plus one at a wedding because, and I said, I can eat anything, I can dance, and I'm not afraid of your mom. And he was like, I feel like you want to fight my mom. <laughs> and I, what's funny is I actually put that there because so many guys are afraid of this like mom-daughter relationship. And I yeah. thought it was in a good way where I'm like, I don't, I'm not like weird about meeting parents. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to get nervous. I'm not going to be all like up in your shit. Like, it's like, yeah, I'll talk to your mom with you there yeah. or without you there. I don't care. But, it, you know, that was something that through the I, male lens, I appreciated the inside of us. Like, yeah, oh, I see. Whatever. I saw what he was saying when he said that. <laughs> right. It's, Which I was like, oh, OK. I, I just thought it was like so, a fun thing. So I just went to my Bumble to see. I switch out. I have a couple different versions of my bio that I switch out. And mm-hmm. so I did switch to a different version of it. But not necessarily because of his feedback. because I just like switch it out. But I added... He, he was talking about – so he liked – I one of the sentences I have in my bio is, I'm an instant yes to fruit pie, gin, cocktails, and overly competitive game nights. Mm-hmm. And then I added – he was talking about wanting to like – wanting me to like get more specific. Yeah. I pivoted a little bit from that and I said, which one should we try for our first date? Okay, fun. All right. So I I, I don't know if took his advice, but I like listened – I like – pivoted a little bit based on what he mm-hmm. said. I was like, oh, okay, let me like double click on that part of it because he liked that part of it. 
And then it's funny that you took out your plus one prompt because I added a plus one prompt. Oh, I just changed my answer. Oh, what did you change it to? So, um, what did I change it to? I think I made it. I actually took exactly what he said as the suggestion because I was like, I don't really want to think about this. Um, I changed it to adding like, I know where to stand for the hors d'oeuvres coming out. Like Wait, I added product. something really similar. Oh, did you? <laughs> We're both like, all right, Jared, we'll take the advice. We'll take it point. I point. said I'm a great <laughs> plus one because I'll make friends with the cocktail hour servers and get us first dibs on everything. That's a great way to phrase it. Yeah, that's good. But yeah, I think I, have um, the I can dance part and I took out the eat part because it's like I don't need two things about eating. Um, yeah, makes sense. So yeah, yeah. and then I kept the my he liked my other two prompts. I kept them. But um, and then I yeah switched out. I went. This is the first time. So I I made my profile picture. This picture of me and Grace. Oh, from the winery. Very pretty. This is the first time though that I've ever had my main profile picture with my naturally curly hair. Oh, and you? I assume you have a mix through your profile. Though. I do. I do have yeah, a mix. Yeah, because you wear it both ways. I love your hair yeah. curly, by the way. I really uh, like thank it. Thank you. And it's also I maybe like it more too. accurate for the summer if that's your first True. picture. I do do it more over the summer. I I like it too. I I love my hair curly. My issue with it is that I'm and I've. I've tried every method that anybody has ever DM'd to me. If, I, if, you've, if you've tried it, I've tried it. Trust me. I cannot get it to look the exact same. And that's just the nature of curls, I think. Yeah, I have that the same it, problem it looks, when I do mine. It looks yeah. different every time. And mm-hmm. for that reason, I don't trust it as much. <laughs> like for a first so, date? Or for, yeah, or for like any time when I want to look good. Like, mm-hmm. I know that if I sh- I know exactly what it's going to look like when I straighten it. Right. And okay. curly, I could get to a point where I just have to put it up because I because it doesn't look the way I want. And part okay. of that is probably letting go of my need for my curls to be perfect because that's just the nature of curls. So I'm working through that, but that's one of the reasons why I don't do it quite as much is cuz I just can't trust that. But funny, that's why I feel a lot of guys like curls is cuz it gives this like fun bounce more go with the flow like feeling yeah true so. um and then the other piece of it just from a practical perspective is that my straight hair lasts a lot longer like you don't have to rewash it i don't have to rewash or i don't have to like redo it yeah like i okay. can like i have to like deal with my curls the next day i don't really have mm-hmm. to when my hair is straight anyway that's an aside so yeah so back on bumble and also i do want to continue our mantra of the year of trying to meet more people in person. And so one of the things that I did in an effort to do that is I tried the pear ring, P-E-A-R, like the fruit, mm-hmm. um, that I personally have seen all over social media, like targeted ads, not people actually wearing it. Yeah, because you were in, like, is it the first ship out of New York? Because I've heard of many people second. ordering it, but not getting it yet. Okay. It took forever. I mean, when did we talk about that? It's been months. Well, I would assume they're they're trying to do it in the same batch because the theory is like if you put it on, you start wearing it, and you get no action quickly, you're probably going to stop. So, hi, it's me. Um, <laughs> I so I have never I have never one time seen anyone wearing it out, men or women, anyone. Mm-hmm. And I've been looking. Like right. w- once I started buying, once I bought it, I was like, okay, I want to see. Now it's on my radar. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen one person wearing it. I have been wearing it. I got it like a week ago. I've been wearing it anytime I go out. Like I don't. It comes with three sizes. So let me say this too. I was a little underwhelmed by the package. 
Oh, really? Would it just look like an Amazon bag or something? Uh, yeah, it was just like a little cardboard postcard practically that was like, this is the okay. pairing. Okay. <laughs> what you do. <laughs> Carry on. Carry on. Yeah, here's your ring. And yeah. like, there's no, like, I knew that there wasn't anything further beyond just go wear it. Like mm. there's no, there's not, there's not an app. There's not really a website. I mean, there is, but like the website basically just says this is the pair ring. Right. Um, they are talking about doing events, which I think could be cool in the future, but haven't seen anything about those actually happening yet. So it comes with three sizes. I, I've yet to really find a size and finger that it feels truly comfortable on. Mm-hmm. So that's like, but I have been wearing it. Um, I've tried it on various fingers, been out. I mean, I've never seen anyone wearing one, so no one's come up to me. Nothing's happened, but I'm still out there with my ring. Um, long story short is I don't really recommend it. Yeah, as of right now, no traction. If anything, I, I weirdly, I feel like this ring might get you more women talking to you because I've had so many female friends see this ring and also send it to me, obviously, because we have this podcast. But just like, have you heard about this or people doing this? I'm thinking about getting one. So it oddly might be a thing that maybe will lead to female friendships. Yeah, like solidarity. They'll be like, wow, I thought about getting that. How's it work? You know? Yeah. Is it working for you? (laughs) Yeah. So, so yeah, so far, no. Um, I mean, it was like, I think it was $25. So, like, well, for me having this podcast, well worth the expense of being able to buy it and talk about it to people. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know that I would recommend anybody. But I think it's been a week. It's only been a week. So, yeah, well, the fact back that I New York a little so the fact that I didn't see a single person wearing one in the like two months since I bought it, right? But I'm saying you're part of like part. the second shipment, so maybe, yeah, true. Maybe all the rings are now. Flooding I, I say New you got to give it a few weeks, maybe even a month. Yeah. I'm st- I'm still wearing it. I haven't given up. But I I genuinely feel like a lot of women are going to approach you and be like, "I saw that ring. What's up with yeah, that ring? Maybe. How's it working for you?" Yeah, possibly. Anything on your end? Uh, I only have one little thing of, I met up with a friend, we were catching up and she asked me about the subway guy, AKA Ruby Rosa. Ruby Rosa. I guess, guess I haven't seen you in a while. Um, (laughs) uh, and it didn't end badly. It's just like, we never re talked, I guess. I don't know how to phrase that. Um, and I was like, yeah, I don't know. He was moving to New York. I wonder if he even moved yet. And so I ended up just sending him a text like, Hey, did you, did you move to New York yet? Like, what's the update? And he said he just moved, just got back, finally found an apartment. Um, And then we just talked back and forth. And he was like, are you still, you know, performing at the cellar a lot? I got to come see a show. And I was like, yeah, I'm I'm there all week. You know, let me know or whatever. And he was like, yeah, I got to come by soon. I was like, yeah, great. And I mean, that was the end of the conversation. Neither made a, we didn't really make a play of like, let's, let's have our little dinner hang again. And uh, I'm not bummed whatsoever about it. I was more like, this sounds mean, but texting him, I kind of was like, oh, yeah, you're kind of boring. <laughs> like, like you know, like I was like, I think this was kind of a situation where I was like, oh, you were tall and very cute. And I was, you know, obviously into that. And then mm. I guess had l- much lower expectations, as most women do with the tall men. Let's mm. admit it uh, a little bit of uh, conversationally. I was like, yeah. yeah, I don't think I'm missing anything. That's how I felt texting him. I was like, oh, OK. Well, yeah, now sure. you know. Come to a show. Yeah. Confirmation. I was just like, all right. I guess that's telling. So that's the only totally. thing I had. Um, I did end up swiping a little bit recently. Mm. But it's... How'd that go? I mean, I've got a handful of matches. I just haven't uh, messaged yet exactly. But um, 
I don't know. I've oddly been tempted actually to swipe down the shore and oh. just be in a different pool because that's where I'm staying now when I'm on the yeah, side yeah. of New York. And obviously, I, I get a handful of people that just like come down here for the weekends. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was a little inspired or thought think thought about it. Obviously, actually from um, Matchmaker Maria's stories, she was oh, saying yeah, like, yeah. "Hey, have you been dating in New York a long time?" She's like, "Expand expand your apps. Go to Long Island. Open them to Jersey." Like. Westchester like there's all these places that you know honestly especially New York dating my god you could so easily have an hour commute to see someone that it's like what's the difference between an hour in New York on the train versus if I had to drive you know 30 minutes or something down here and it feels so much longer like sitting on like yeah like it it takes me door to door at least 45 minutes to get to work like if I have to go into the office Mm -hmm. but if I were like at least that's if I like catch the trains in the right way. If I were to get in my car and drive 45 minutes onto Long Island, I'd be like, wow, this person lives far from me. It's just right. such a mindset shift. You could be on your phone. You could be dicking around. True. It's, I don't know, not as obvious. But um, you're right, though. You're right. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I've had this thing, but it's funny. Of, I've now experienced for the first time like running out of people mm, being down yep. here where yep, I'm yep, like, yep. what's the mile radius I should start with? I said five miles. Oh. And then like it felt out, like in 15 minutes it was like ran out of people i'm like all right eight miles like i just keep <laughs> gradually doing it Funny. uh but yeah i don't know just curious like ah new pool you know i've been swiping it yeah. for years yeah yeah, yeah why not know. maybe why maybe not? i got psychic dean in my head or whatever because he said some, meeting somebody oh here's the other thing with that can i say this psychic yeah. dean it's it's kind of funny though that like he was saying oh you'll meet someone you know maybe around june july however Mm-hmm. He also said in that session, I forgot this, of like, oh, you will be married and kids, but you won't be, you won't be like the early 30s person doing that. He's like, that's going to be late 30s for you. Oh, so the person that you meet is not necessarily. It's not the guy. <laughs> like, He's, just guy. guy. He's just a guy. He's just a guy. Like, I'm like, it sounds like this guy's not going to be the guy if there Unless is a Unless you just date comes. for a really long time. Uh, the, I mean, you know me. I'm, uh, that's not me. Yeah, you're right. I'm not, I can't, if I don't see it going the long haul, like, uh, I don't make it that long. Yeah. Personally. But, uh, but it was kind of funny of kind of more left the combo being like, Oh, nice. Maybe I'll meet, I'll meet someone in June, July. And then later I was like, yeah, but you're not going to be married bitch for a long time. <laughs> According to Dean. According to Dean. Dean was According like Dean. really, really wrong about almost everything he said the last time we talked. I haven't, I haven't called him back since then. All right. I'll see. There you go. That's why it's like I don't I don't take it to heart. It's just No, it's fine. Yeah. But uh I mean that's it for me. I really got nothing nothing on the dating front currently. So Well, it just takes one, you know, as we said. Just takes one. Um yeah. but yeah, we gotta get to our guests. And this is one of my favorite episodes we've done so far for sure. I'm really excited. We have Jordana Abraham and her sister, Dr. Naomi Bernstein from the Oversharing podcast. So Jordana does You Up with Jared Freed, mm-hmm. but she also has the Oversharing podcast with her older sister. And Dr. Naomi is a therapist. And it's like, I really love their dynamic. Like yeah, not great. only in the episode that we recorded, but like in their episodes that I've listened to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like them a lot. I became a fan of their pod. And now that I'm driving a lot, I've been listening to it a lot as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they give great advice and I said it on the episode uh, that it might make you want to dump your therapist. Honestly, I love, I love Just like the, how Dr. Naomi does give you a little direction. You know, anytime I've been in therapy, I've been like, 
okay, I'm doing everything great. Why am I here? Like, what about what, what do I do though? <laughs> yeah, like not even the what do I do, but I'm like, what do you think? Do I have any patterns? Anything going wrong? And they're like, I think you're handling it great. And I'm like, then why the fuck am I paying you money if I'm handling everything <laughs> so great? Anyway, uh, <laughs> so I don't get that vibe from Dr. Naomi. Um, but yeah, I had a, I could talk to them for hours. They're so great. And I'm so excited uh, that we got them on. So without yeah. further ado, let's do it. Let's get to our guests. Listen up, guys. If you haven't heard yet, we're coming to the DC Comedy Loft for another live podcast Thursday, March 21st. Get your tickets. We are, I think, over halfway sold out already. Well over halfway sold out. So get your tickets. If you want to come experience some magic live, we want to meet you. We want to talk to you. We're going to have so much fun. And it's also Allie's birthday that week. It is my birthday that week. So, and my mom might be there. I'm excited. You can go to findingmrhyde.com slash live to find an easy link also in our bios to get those tickets. And we are going to have an after party afterwards where we can really meet and greet, talk to everybody somewhere in the area. Yeah. So make sure you come DC Comedy Loft Thursday, March 21st. And if you want to check out some stand up, I'm going to be there all weekend. So Friday and that Saturday, I'll be doing stand up shows, start swiping on Hinge, bring a date, have a good time. And You'll, you can come and meet Allie's mom, which we still have some spots left on our Portugal trip. And a little update on that. A few of you reached out to us about, hey, I want to come either, unfortunately, I don't have my mom anymore, or I want to come with my aunt. I want to come with my sister. I just want to come with a friend. The trip is officially open to anybody that would like to come, as long as you don't mind. Half the trip being moms and daughter combos. Everybody's excited to come. Doesn't matter. You are welcome to join travel with us. It's going to be so, so fun. You can also check that out at findingmrhyte.com slash podcast. If you have any questions about it, feel free to reach out. We're happy to answer anything. We're just so excited to be there with our moms and with you. Yep. Next October, October 4th through 10th. Check it out. Come travel with us too. And we are back with Jordana and Dr. Naomi from the Oversharing Podcast. Hi, welcome to Finding Mr. Hyde, the podcast. Hi, thanks for having us. So excited to be here. Yeah, same. Yeah, I uh, I really enjoy your show. I've actually had a friend send me a specific episode before of something I was complaining to her about. Uh, which uh, one nice. was it? Which one was it? It was, so it was back like in the fall and it was called, um, when will I get my happy ending? Mm-hmm. Okay. And it was basically about, you know, going through each relationship that you're like, okay, this one wasn't the one, this one wasn't the one. And kind of seeing everybody else hit those milestones in life and uh, it was very helpful so if people yeah, need one to reference that's a good one <laughs> and we have a question one. about that today so <laughs> very common theme i feel like um people a lot of people like relate to to that i mean and you were saying naomi in your practice like you get a lot of that a lot of people who you know you're talking to and dealing with that sort of question right about like being single and wanting to like being frustrated with the process totally or just feeling like you can't fully enjoy your life until you check that box off. It's like my life will start once I meet my person instead of feeling like, okay, my life is happening now. That would be great. But, um, you know, it's very, people get tunnel vision on it and it steals their joy. So I don't know what the listener question is, but I, I have, you know, I deal with this all the time, like how to open up your blinders to like, I have a life until I, start that next chapter if I start that next chapter of relationship family the whole thing so it feels like you're stuck in the mud until you get there which is just you know it steals people's joy so I'd love to help 
Yeah, um, let's, I mean, let's dive right in. I think one of the things I really love about y'all show is kind of that juxtaposition. I think I remember before I ever listened, I read the little intro and it was like your therapist and your BFF or like, you know, it's like the two, the kind of that, the two pronged approach and the different perspectives that you each bring, I think is so great. Um, so I'm excited for our listeners to hear it as well. Yeah. And I got to be honest, you might listen to their show and want to fire your therapist. I will say (laughs) your show has given me more nuggets that I've like held on to like little sayings that you said. And I was sitting there like, why hasn't my therapist said anything that stuck in my head when I left our session? That's so great. Naomi, you should put that on your website. Yeah, I know. I'll make you want to fire your therapist. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like one quick one was, um, something of overanalyzing the situation usually is just you wanting to control the situation. And I was like, mm-hmm. Dr. Naomi fucking nailing it again. You know? Yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much. <laughs> Another <Shoot>. one. <laughs> just being aware of your, the dialogue that you have with yourself in your mind is half the battle because it just runs on autopilot and we act on what we're thinking without questioning what we're thinking first. So that's helpful. Yeah. So diving into our listener questions, you know, Erica kind of teed it up so well with that episode that she had been sent. Uh, We had a bunch of people write in about feeling hopeless about, you know, their, in the listener's words, many failed, and I'm putting it in quotes because I don't consider this a failure, but failed short-term relationships when you're looking for long-term and mentioning that they feel like they have a scarcity mindset, like feeling, having it feel really rare to find someone that you like who also likes you and feeling like it keeps happening over and over again that you think you found that person and then it ends. And our listeners have just heard in our update section that I recently ended things with somebody that I had been on more dates than I'd been on with somebody in a while. We went on nine dates over the course of like two months. And so I am I am also asking this question. Yes. <laughs> but yes. so curious, you know, both of your thoughts on on feeling like you're stuck in that in that mindset of, you know, will this loop ever end? Hmm. Yeah. Do you want to start? I have I have thoughts, but you can. Why don't you give your professional take? <laughs> yeah. So it's it's you have to sort of train your brain, I think, to focus on the journey instead of the destination, which sounds really great in theory, but it's hard to do. And there's actual practice that you can do, but it's almost like you know. Jordana, you always talk about like the emotional masturbation of like you meet someone and then you start like thinking about all the exciting things that are to come and you, you just can't help doing that because you're trying to get to that outcome. But I think, you know, and I always talk about this on the show, if you can try to enjoy the process as it, as it's happening, instead of feeling like this is what success looks like, success looks like um, exclusivity or success looks like moving in together or engagement or marriage or whatever, then it's almost like anything short of that, or you're going to be constantly seeking until you get there. And then what I always talk about on the show is then when you get there, you're going to set another goalpost. Yeah. That's going to be the next thing. So, and you can do that until you're in the grave. If you don't really train your mind to do this thing where it's like, that was a great date. I had a great time. I enjoyed that. I'd love for it to happen more or even the the other side, which I know there's the, obviously that's not so easy, but like just riding the waves, which you're in one right now, it sounds like perhaps, um, you know, Allie, I don't know if you feel like you're in that wave of like, uh, this is disappointing or my hopes were up and now they're down. 
and just trusting that like you can't, that wave's going to come. We can't help it, but you can kind of trust that you'll ride it through to the other side rather than freaking out and panicking and trying to change a million things and change your dating app profile or not date at all or date this type of person and not that type of person and do all, make all these changes instead of saying, okay, I'm okay. I'm cool. I'm just Mm going to ride this wave and enjoy the space between the waves. I I definitely felt that before. Yeah. I I think this time I'm like, I'm doing a better job. Erica, keep me honest. But, (laughs) (laughs) but I think like, one of the things that I did go through when I was deciding whether or not I wanted to end things over the course of the last week or so was like, oh, I'm starting that wave again. Yeah. You know, like making that decision of like, okay, yeah, we're we're going to go through that whole thing again. But realizing that doing that is better than continuing on this that I know is not right ultimately. And I'm just extending or or postponing that having to happen. Totally. I mean, I remember feeling like the same way when dating and having like a three month thing and end and feeling just like, Oh, I have to start again. Like it sucks. And I remember my therapist saying to me, like, I actually like part of me wishes like that this works out with this guy, but part of me is kind of like hopes it doesn't so that you can like have enough experience with enough of these three monthers that you like, like you said, with the wave, you're like, doesn't work out. I know I'll survive. I survived last time. And you can be, you can go through the whole thing in a non-attached way because you feel confident that another one is coming your way. And if that doesn't work, you know, there's something else. So it's kind of like the idea of like being able to work towards something without being so attached to the outcome is sort of the goal. It's much obviously easier said than done. But I think if you can get to that place where you're like, okay, like my expectations for, for this, what I'm doing now are that I'm going to have fun. And if it doesn't work out, I'll have learned something else about who I'm looking for and what I'm not looking for. Um, and so it's not like it's a waste of time. I think if you, the, if the story or the narrative that you're telling yourself is like, oh, I just wasted three months dating this guy and didn't even go anywhere. And now I'm three months behind or whatever. Like that's just going to be a really shitty way to, to go through the whole thing as opposed to, okay, like I had a good time. I learned this. This guy was like always late. Now I know like I'm always, I'm looking for someone who's on time <laughs> next time or so, or whatever it is that you learned yeah. or, or didn't learn. And then it's be like, it's just a part of your life instead of being like a huge failure. And I mean, like Naomi says so many times, it's like your, your thoughts kind of guide the way what's rea- your reality. So if your thoughts are telling you, this is a disaster, I'm never going to find love. And like, if this doesn't work out, nothing else will, like that will become your reality. Um, I was going to say, Dr. Naomi made a great point too about milestones just changing. So even when you hit that phase, like now it's just new milestones. And I actually remember seeing a clip of you, Jordana, talking about like going home from the holidays when you're single, it's like, oh, you're dating anybody. And that Mm -hmm. feels like a bummer or annoying to get those questions. But then now you're married and you're like, oh, well, when you get engaged, all of a sudden you come home, when's the wedding? Oh, when you think about having kids, like all these milestones still get get thrown at you and all these questions still get thrown at you and it just the goalposts move. So I love thinking about that aspect of it too. And I keep you in check of like, if I keep training my brain to keep looking for the next thing I have to accomplish when, until I'm happy, then you're just training your brain to do that. Instead of like, if you're in a little phase where you're being kind of pummeled by the waves, training yourself to learn to tolerate that 
in a way where you can come up with like a plan for how do I handle it when I'm at the bottom of the ocean and the waves are like pummeling me. I've been here. This is going to, this isn't like a shocking thing. That's like a miss, you know, this is, this is going to keep happening to you. And one way you lose a job, you lose a person. I mean, people pass what this is going to keep happening. So it's almost like, instead of trying to prevent it from happening, learn how to deal with it when it happens. Yeah. One of the things that I definitely took away from this most recent dating wave, if to continue our uh, analogy, Mm -hmm. is that I really liked how I felt in the early dating stages in terms of how secure I felt. And like, he never made me feel anxious about whether we're going to keep dating or whether I was going to see him or whether I was going to hear from him. And even at the time, I thought to myself, I want to hold on to this feeling. Like, even if this isn't the right situation, ultimately, that I remember that I really like this feeling. Mm-hmm. And that I will have it again, even yeah. if this isn't the right person. And like you were saying, Jordana, like learning, oh, like that is something that I'm looking for in the next person, even if this isn't it. Right. That's a, I mean, that's a much more positive spin than I than mine, which was like all the <laughs> all the things to avoid. But you're right. Like here's that the too, that I loved about like this. I've never dated someone who, you know, made me feel like this secure this early on. Like that felt really good. Now, when you know that, when you when you go into it looking for that person, you'll be able to find them, I think, faster than you were before. Like everything, every failed search gives you a little bit more information about what you're looking for, which is why I don't think it's like the idea. I don't think the best thing in life is to find the is to marry the first person that you meet because you wouldn't have no idea like what else what your taste was because you've only been with that one person. Totally. Um, one thing I think that often happens with being at the bottom of the wave for a lot of women, and I know I do this and I've even had it, I've actually had it more when I was dating someone that I actually didn't think like, I'm probably going to marry this guy. Right. Like there was something about him that I was like, eh, I don't think, you know, it's the top. But then when they didn't want me, you're sitting there thinking like, why wasn't I good enough? Like mm-hmm. I wasn't good enough for this guy. Like that's when it's the worst. You're like this, you know, not to call him a loser, but a little bit, you're like this loser. I wasn't good enough. <laughs> yes. And it makes you feel like, oh, so how am I actually going to get someone great if I wasn't able to get like this person that I actually did see a lot of flaws in and a mm-hmm. weird level. And that's something I've, it's so hard to not get in your head and feel like, oh, maybe I'm not pretty enough. Maybe I'm not successful enough. Maybe I don't know. But I feel like that's often- right. I, that's where my brain goes. I think like, why didn't I get almost the offer? Like I wanted the offer and I turn it down mm-hmm. as opposed to they just like, they ended the whole thing. I I love that you brought that up because I do think that that is, that's really what underlies not all of it, but a lot of the pain of breakups is this idea of like the rejection. If this person doesn't want me, then I must not be worthy or I'll never find someone who wants me. And that's just like a thinking error or thinking error that's possibly caused by childhood wounds or self-esteem issues from, you know, whatever may have happened to you in your past. But if you can just notice it when it's happening and catch it sooner before it turns into like an ingrained pattern and kind of realize, okay, this is a thought that I'm having. I don't have to really give it that much weight because I know I'm X, Y, Z, and I don't need another person to choose me in order to believe that about myself because there's a million reasons why 
you're not a match there. I'm sure there's been a bunch of guys that have been great guys that a lot of other women would be interested in that. You've been like, this is just not a match for me for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think just catching that thought error and so many women have that where it's not really about the loss of the relationship. It's about the way it makes you feel about yourself. Um, right. So true. And that's a lot of power to give someone to like put your whole self-esteem like into like what they think of you, which I mean, we've all done. I think I've did done and I think we still do. It's like kind of that's sort of the essence of caring what other people think, which I think a little bit of that is healthy. But then when mm -hmm. it's like too much, then you, it's like ruining your whole. I think the goal is to get these things to like ruin as little as little of your time as possible. Yes. Because like, mm -hmm. obviously Love if someone, someone ends something with you after like three months, or even if someone doesn't ask you on a second date, like it always like stings. I don't think the goal is to like never have it hurt, but I think the goal is to just have it hurt in a commensurate amount of time with like what feels like healthy. So like if someone breaks up with you after a three month thing, fine, like you have a bad week, but then next week you're okay. Um, yeah. So it's hard. I mean, it's hard to get there, but when I was first working through my, like a lot of anxious attachment and, you know, I, my dad was really sick for a long time and eventually passed away. And like, I was like working through a lot of that and this was before he passed away, but a therapist at the time actually had me change the guys that I was going on dates with names in my phone to things like dude, I've met once. <laughs> or like guy I've known for three weeks right yeah. and like it was silly but it like it really helped me reframe that because every time they texted me I, it, it would remind my brain like oh yeah this is an, a near stranger right that you're I like attaching so much importance we don't have to be devastated right if if um you know there's like a, a small rejection and right. I also was an anxious dater so I felt like the same the same way although you know, I tried the, I, I definitely tried some of those labels, mostly with the guys that I was dating for a long time that were not dating me. It was like, I think I had changed it to like, do not answer. He is bad for you. Um, <laughs> but This guy sucks. Yeah. yeah. Right. But then once I started talking to him, I just changed it back to his name. You just get Im <laughs> immune course, to yeah. the, you know. That was a yeah. former version of me. Yeah. <laughs> I was once given kind of the opposite advice of a guy I was dating. They said, put a heart next to his name in your phone. So when you get mad, it stops you a second to be like, you love this person. I like him. Oh, and I put like it, that. Put it, through a, put it through a nice filter. Right. That's nice. <laughs> okay. Our uh, next question here uh, is called approaching conversations about getting engaged. All right. A little long. So bear with me. How can I let my boyfriend know I'm interested in marriage? For background, I am divorced, 31-year-old female who was married in my early 20s for a few years. I have no kids. My boyfriend is 33 and has never been married and also has no kids. We've been together for two and a half years. He sold his house last year and moved in with me, and it's going very well. This is honestly the healthiest relationship I've ever been in. Side note, both our careers are going well. Uh, <laughs> and I say that since I know a lot of times men want to be in, want to be stable in their careers before furthering the relationship. The only problem is that early in our relationship, I think I gave the wrong impression that I was either never interested in getting married again or would be very hesitant. We've since talked more about marriage eventually, but I'm tired to ask what, oh, terrified to ask what his timeline is. How do I go about asking his goals without sounding presumptuous or needy? His younger brother got married last year and most of his friends are now engaged or married. 
I know he wants to marry me someday, but I'm to the point where I would like to chat more concretely about timeline. I guess my fear is that I'll scare him off. Additionally, I told him on our second date that I never wanted children and I've stuck to that. He said he was fine with that. Internally now, though, I am second guessing that decision of mine as well. So also I should ask, is it appropriate to tell him that I may want children someday or should I wait till I flesh those feelings out? I know he is open to children based on previous conversations. Thank you so much for your advice. Okay, so this feels like two halves of the engagement mm-hmm. convo. It's talking about kids. she might have changed her mind on kids. So, yeah, I definitely think this is on her to bring up. Like, I have the feeling that he's just left it alone because of how she set the tone in the beginning. And he's probably, I mean, they live together. I don't think he's going to be shocked to think that there might be another stage in their relationship and she's ready to talk about it. So I, you know, if she's listening to this, I think he probably feels it coming. Maybe not the kids part because he wouldn't think that you change your mind about that, but I'm sure he won't be completely shocked about that either. So I think he probably knows this is coming and he might even feel some relief in having a conversation because he might be thinking, what's next? I don't want to scare her away. She's made it very clear that she's not interested in these things. Totally agree with that. I think it would be the weird person in the scenario would be if he was, if he was totally shocked, he was like, well, this is coming out of nowhere for my girlfriend that lives with me and is, you know, in her thirties and has been married before (laughs) he sold her house for her. Yeah. Right. Um, like, I think that would be very weird, but I, I totally understand the fear because I mean, anything in a relationship, I think, when you're unsure of where you stand is just scary because then because if you don't ask and i think the reason people don't ask the questions even the question of are we are we exclusive are we i want to i want to date you i want to do anything is because sometimes you're kind of like if the answer is bad i might rather not know because if the answer is bad then i'm gonna have to make a decision to leave mm. and this feels good and exciting so i'd almost rather live in like this you know uncertain area so that i don't have to make a move if it's not the answer that I want to hear. That's the whole theory on the three month or thing. Like, I think that's why that comes to head ahead at that time, because you finally work up the courage to say like, okay, I'm going to be willing to let this end if it has to end. And sometimes it does, you know, And, and you're not bringing it up, like you said, because you're afraid of that. But I think like you were saying earlier, the worst thing is to just kind of hang on in something that, you can't feel comfortable communicating or you have to be walking on eggshells in order to maintain. So, but it's not easy. It's very hard. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I almost think that like it, if he does freak out that she brings up a, you know, a more concrete timeline for marriage, I, that's something I feel like she would want. She should know. Mm-hmm. That's very if valuable. That, if that's going to worry him. Yeah. That is really yeah. valuable information. And I get why she doesn't want to be like ran. It kind of, cause it can also kind of feel like a little random, like even again, um, do you see this turning into a relationship can feel kind of random. Do you see us getting engaged can feel kind of random. But I think that like, if you start, if you're not someone who's super comfortable having these conversations and I wasn't, I remember one thing that was suggested to me by, by my therapist that worked really well to sort of have like an ease into it is, you know, how long do you think a couple should be dating before they get engaged? Like, what is your, what is, what is, and, and just asking them about relationships and how they see them generally, even if you wanted to like remove yourself from the equation, like, how long do you think it takes for to make that kind of decision? Like, did you want a long engagement or a short engagement when you when you like 
when you would get married. Do you if want kids? When, you yes. Would. <laughs> if and yeah, when. May- Hypothetically. Yeah. Maybe like not make said. the side comment, like those side <laughs> comments where you're like, man, Jeff and Ariel have been living together right. six years, still not engaged. <laughs> What yeah. do you think about that? What yeah. do you think? Yeah. What do you think? <laughs> I remember when I was when I uh my, when I was dating my husband at the um when I, back when we were dating, I had a friend who like moved in with her boyfriend after a year, and I was like, oh, like X moved in with her boyfriend after like they've been only been dating. He's like, oh wow, that's really fast. Like that's and I was like, okay, that's a good clue that this no is that, that proposal is not coming. Um for me in the immediacy but like i think if you can be more direct then you have like a real conversation and again i think that they're they're at the point in their lives where it wouldn't be shocking to hear that and if it was like you said very good thing to know sooner rather than later do you think it'd be bad to almost do a vague question of like hey i've been looking at i don't know let's say finances or something and be like what do you what's your five-year plan in general like where do you where do you see us in five years where, what do you see yourself doing in five years and kind of being open-ended of like do you see yourself getting married do you see yourself having kids without like I guess being the first to say those words uh, I'm not sure mm-hmm. how do you feel about like a vague question like that to start it off um, my thought is I think it would be good to practice being a little bit more straightforward about what she wants and how she feels um because like you said I communication is so important to be able to say like, this is what I've been thinking about lately. And I know, like, I get what you're saying where just, you know, you're sitting at dinner and all of a sudden you're like, so I've been thinking, um, it feels like <laughs> I'd like to get married. <laughs> <laughs> like what, where we're, we just needed up dinner. <laughs> you know what I recommend to people actually a lot is like, even this, like I was listening to this podcast today and this person said mm. this, you know, they were, you know, and it made me think about like our relationship that might be an opener that it can be totally random, but it's also like, this is what led me to this thought. And that's why I'm bringing it up. So I, I, I hear what you're saying that kind of just being like, so how do you see your future in general? But then if he like dances around it or doesn't go there or whatever, and I do think it's good practice for her. I do think this is something that they need to be able to talk about this before they can even go there too. Like that's the other pieces. It seems like there is a little bit of a, a break in communication. I think a lot of, I'll validate a lot of people feel this way, but there's a little bit of a red flag that she's so anxious to approach this with him. Um, And this might be a good first step for the two of them to start to have these conversations that they really create intimacy. When you talk to the person you're in relationship with, about your relationship that creates a lot of intimacy and that creates a lot of like deep emotional connection that I think you would need before you would take that next step towards engagement or having a child together. Yeah. Cause part of me is thinking if you do go into it a little bit more vague like that, if he doesn't pick up what you're putting down and takes it in a totally different direction, not because he's avoiding it on purpose, but just because he doesn't understand that that's what mm-hmm. you're asking to me, that would then make me spiral more right? to say like, oh, well, he didn't bring up marriage. He must not be thinking about it. Meanwhile, yeah. in his mind, like that wasn't what you were asking. Agree. Right. It kind of can feel like a little bit of a test, like you're <laughs> testing them to yeah. like see yeah. if they give you the, these. And I think this in re- this is like a relation, a huge relationship issue when people do this. And I've done it before. So I can say that from experience is that sometimes when you ask a question and you have an answer in your head, and if the person doesn't answer the way that you expect them to ask, 
then you kind of like spiral and freak out and cause a bigger issue than if you would just ask the question that you actually wanted to ask directly. Um, or again, if you're, I think if you, I think even if, even if you ask the question that you wanted to ask directly and you're in your mind, there's only one acceptable answer. Mm-hmm. You're yeah. down to be disappointed. So if she says, you know, I've been thinking of, let's say she was really straightforward. I've been thinking of getting engaged. Um, and I, you know, I see this for us within the next year. Like, what do you see for us? And if she's like, the only thing, the only answer that is like the answer that I'm going to be okay with is that he says, Oh, me too. Like I had that exact same thought mm-hmm. Then she's going to be, she's setting herself up to be really disappointed and, um, just like for it to be a bad situation. Cause I think it's rare for two people to be on the exact same page about the exact same situation. So she has to be okay going into it thinking, okay, maybe this is something he hasn't even thought about before. He might right. say, I don't know, let me think about it. Or he might say, you know, I, I feel like I want to be dating a person for a lot longer than that. So like, I think if she goes into it with the expectation that he might not be thinking the exact same thing as her, but that doesn't mean that it's over or that it's a disaster, she's going to have a much easier time um, handling or, or having that conversation. And she'll come off a lot more like grounded and normal instead of, because sometimes we have the tendency to get really upset if things don't go the exact way we pictured them. Totally. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Sorry, to ju- I don't mean to cut you off. Okay. As a great point is that to accept that he, because she's laid the groundwork that she's not really interested in that, that he may not have even been thinking about that. And when she brings it up, he might need to say, it's a big question. It's not like, do you want chicken or fish? It's like, <laughs> you know, a, a long-term thing that he might need to be like, oh, I didn't know you were interested in that. Like, I do need to give it some thought and, you know, kind of being prepared, like you're saying that it might not be the exact answer that she's looking for. And he might need to start you know, from scratch and thinking like, oh, I had no idea you felt that way. And let me, this is probably going to be a series of conversations that they need to have if he's figuring it out. Like if she wants kids, if she's thinking of kids now, like, I don't think this is going to be a one and done, but again, I think it's, they need to start talking about this. So I'm glad she's writing in and like looking to do this because this isn't something that you can avoid intimacy comes from like sharing your innermost thoughts specifically about the person that you're having them about. So I I was going to say, call me crazy. If this was me, I think I'd actually bring up the kids part first because then I almost feel like it justifies me then being like, so when will we be engaged? When will we be married? Especially being she's 31, I'm 32. And like, now I'm at the age I've gone to a fertility doctor. I've looked into freezing my eggs. Like, It's normal Mm -hmm. to say, oh, okay, you know, I kind of am debating my decision. And if I do decide yes, like, okay, now I do have more of a timeline that Mm -hmm. unfortunately is just mother nature because he might be sitting there being like, oh, well, she doesn't want to have kids. So there's no rush on the marriage. Yeah, that's a good point. Because if he's in the mindset that like she definitely doesn't want kids, then that's not even a, a consideration factor for him. Right. Then he's maybe and maybe he sees the benefits of marriage to be less also. If, if, if he's under the impression she doesn't want that. So that's a really good point. So we had a couple people write in about feeling like their dates are either zero or a hundred. And so this particular listener says, so she's been just as a little bit of background. She went through a really bad breakup about a year ago and has started dating more recently. And she says, 
for dates I'm not all that jazzed about where the conversation isn't flowing or I'm not all that attracted, I feel like I disassociate in a way. Like I kind of stop investing when we're on the date. I don't really care if they text me or ask me out again. I've tried to go on second dates a couple of times to see if it grows, but for me, it feels like it never does. Then on the flip side, for dates that I do enjoy, I have so much fun. I'm really, really hard on myself then. Extra worrying, are they going to text? Overanalyzing everything I did or said. And then she says, I really wish I could carry the easygoing attitude on dates I don't end up liking into the ones I do, but I feel like I put so much pressure on something to work out in my head. She, then she goes, in my head. I'm usually very casual texting the person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so just generally, I think people feel that kind of haves and have nots with dates where something's either like terrible and you don't give a shit what happens or you feel like, oh my God, that was so amazing. And what if it doesn't work out? Mm-hmm. And, and you know, how do we, how do we kind of bring those things into the middle? I think, it, I mean, my first thought is that that scarcity mindset that you were talking about before, where it's like, oh gosh, I actually feel a connection. What if this never happens again? Um, and then just kind of having that memory of like, oh yeah, I felt like this like three months ago. And I felt like this two months before that. And I have felt this before and yes, I'd like this to work out, but also this isn't the only time I'm going to feel this way. And I do think there's something worth examining, which is like, how is like, you talked about thinking back to the beginning of your relationship and like the feelings that you had that made you feel really good. Like I want that Mm -hmm. feeling. So I do think that there's something to be said for like how this, how this person is communicating with you and how it's making you feel. So if yes, he might be super cute and funny and charming and all the things, but like, if you're feeling insecure for a long period of time in the beginning of the relationship, I'm not saying she's owning it. And she probably, you know, she's saying like, I'm the problem and she might be a large part of the problem, but there also might be this part of it. That's like, if he's not making her feel secure, there might be something there about that as well. Like if, she went out on a great date and she did hear from the guy the next day or the day after. And he was like, had a great time, love to do it again. She might not be feeling all like anxious and whatever. So I think it is a two way street. Like if how she's feeling a lot of times when people really like someone, all of a sudden the power goes into that person's hands. And it's like, Mm -hmm. I want you, I want to make sure you want me back versus I want you, but I also am still in an evaluation stage just because I was interested in you on date one. Like, I think there's a lot of information to be gained from how that person interacts between date one and date two. It's not just like you were cute and you were funny. And so I like you. And all I care about is that you like me back. You were cute and you were funny. I like you, but like, did you wait four days to text me? Because that's annoying. And I don't know that I, that that's like, great, you know, and what was the point of that? And maybe that allowing you to lose a little bit of interest in that person and saying like, this might not be something that I kind of want to deal with. I want someone who's excited about me also. I think that's a great point. I think that like, I would say this a lot on, on you up, but I felt like I had friends when I was dating that always seemed to be in a relationship just like constantly. And it wasn't necessarily like, Oh, they were so much prettier than those of us who like were, were never in relationships or they were so much like had such better personalities. I think the difference was, was that like when someone they were dating was, um, doing something like not texting them frequently or, you know, being flaky or not really like responsive to them, they were turned off by that. 
instead of being like, if you're an anxious dater, like I was like more intrigued, like, oh, now I feel like this anxiety and it makes me more drawn to you. I feel like someone who was like a, a securely attached would see that behavior and be like, oh, I'm, I'm no longer interested instead of like, how do I get this person to be interested in me? And so it's very hard to get there. Um, and I think like you said, like sometimes you might see that person who is responsive, that is really nice to you or really into you after the date and be like, oh, this feels like kind of boring because you don't get that like yeah. feeling of scarcity or that feeling of, mm-hmm. it's, you know, now I this is like a prize I need to chase. And so it's kind of getting over that mental hump of like, someone can be like, you can be in a great relationship. And just because someone is like nice to you and responsive doesn't mean that that's a boring person. Yeah. It's a very like timely point that you make because Eric and I were just talking about this with the, with the, we give our, the guys we date nicknames. This guy is called the publicist with the publicist. Something that I was talking about was in the last couple of weeks prior to me ending things, he had been more distant via text message in a way that was very different than when we had first started dating. And I said in my 20s and even more recently, I would have seen that. It would have that would have activated my anxious attachment. And I would have seen that as, oh, I gotta try harder. Like I gotta, you know, lock this guy down because he's, you know, being squirrely. <laughs> and now I'm like, oh, that's a turnoff. Mm-hmm. Like this doesn't feel good. And I don't like someone who doesn't make me feel good. Yeah. I feel like once you get to that place, the, like the, the real thing is like just around the corner. I remember feeling that like when dating right before I met my now husband, just feeling like I was no longer as excited by people who were canceling on me last minute or (laughs) that kind of thing. How hot. Yeah, and it sounds so silly when you say it that way. You're like, man, I I finally don't like people that treat me poorly. I'm like, no, but it's real. Yeah. It's real. Uh, I think it's similar to how everybody will say, oh, the bar is low, especially like for men, the bar is low. And I think of my friends that were always in relationships. And one of them recently actually said to me, she was like, we were talking about dating and she just goes, you know, Erica, I just love being loved. And then I honestly, for the first time experienced dating a guy that I was like, wow, this guy actually really loves me and cares for me. And I was like, oh, that's why she never put up with the bullshit stuff was because just earlier in her life, she got to experience that. And it was like the bar got raised. The bar immediately got mm-hmm. raised. And then any dude right. after that, she was like, mm, no, you're clearly not into me. You're not doing X, Y, Z, like all these other guys used to do for me. And I almost equate it to like sex. Like when you first start having sex, it's not that great. And then suddenly you have sex with someone where it is and you go, oh, all that other sex was Oh, that's trash. what it's supposed <laughs> to feel like. <laughs> right. Yeah, you know, totally. like you're like my bar now to be like sex was good is much higher than when I was 22, you know, and didn't right. know anything. Well, I guess that's why they say like an attachment theory that it's all about kind of like the the affection that you got at such an early age, which sort of mm-hmm. set the bar for what your expectations are for how you were treated. Because if you're kind of like used to a world in which you're you're treated really respectfully and nicely and like really attended to, then that's what that feels like. That feels comfortable in a relationship. But if you're treated kind of like sporadically or you're not, you know, it doesn't feel your worth isn't like really instilled in you, then I feel like then you're kind of like, well, this feels actually more like home. Like it feels more (laughs) like home to be, you know, not texted back for 10 hours or something. Right. Or more exciting, like we said. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I, I do think a big piece of it, and it's like the cheesy advice that everyone always gives, which is like, you can't love someone else until you love yourself. But I do think a lot of it comes back to this idea that like, if you're looking to boost your ego by someone else loving you, not like I love being loved, like your friend saying, that's like, I love the feeling of being loved, but not like, I love myself. I can love myself when I'm loved. I do think a lot of people probably aren't really ready to date in a healthy way if you're looking to feel better about yourself by having a guy who is six foot two and makes a lot of money and X, Y, Z likes you. And now you can feel good about yourself. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to say, if anything, I've personally had the frustration of feeling like I am great. I'm like every year I'm working on myself. I'm getting better. I'm getting more successful. Like, and honestly, for me, a lot of times I have this frustration where I go, I am great. And how come someone else doesn't see that yet? Like, why does it seem to be happening for everybody else around me who is also great? Right. But sometimes well, that can I, feel frustrating. Like, how long yeah. do I have to work on myself? Like, I've read every fucking book and I'm <laughs> over it. <laughs> you know? Well, so here's the thing. Here's the thing, right? Erica, I think it's sort of like you're not it's not that you're going to get the prize because you're doing the work. It's because you're going to be able to be more intentional about the process and be more um, caretaking of yourself throughout the process and possibly not seek out people that you're, that are only there to make you feel good about yourself. Like you're already feeling good. You can get rid of the guy after three dates that, you know, maybe doesn't, uh, pay for the first date if that's something that's important for to you or doesn't um you know text you or give you compliments or say nice things or make you feel good about yourself that you're not just like trying to feel good about yourself by getting him to commit or getting him to whatever it is the work that you're doing is more about how it's making you feel throughout the process than it is about how the outcome of like, I'm going to get the guy if I, if I do this work, it's like, I'm going to feel good throughout this process by doing this work, if that makes sense. Yeah. And paying for the date yes. is one of my things. So you read me okay. right, doc. Nailed <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> so playing off of what you were saying, Dr. Naomi, about like things that, you know, you might not like early on in a date or, you know, the, the somebody who cancels on you last minute, et cetera. We got a listener writing in about what, cues we should or shouldn't listen to in early dating. Um, and so she gives a specific example. So she says, I was just on a first date from Bumble where the man made a joke where the punchline was something like, when I realized the gun you gave me to kill my wife as a CIA test was full of blanks, I had to choke her. I don't really know what that joke was. This is me. This is Allie inserting myself. Sounds like a terrible joke, but regardless of <laughs> regardless of the joke, she says, I don't plan to see this man again. And I told him in the moment, I don't find it funny to joke about violence against women. But I find myself wondering, do I read too much into situations like this? Maybe it was bad judgment from a decent guy, but to me, it felt like a man projecting his okayness with domestic violence. So it got me thinking about the larger issue of should we be listening to these cues in early dating? What do we brush off or try to work through and what should actually be a deal breaker right away? Love this question. I have a thought on it. Um I always say, and I think everyone always hears like communication is the most important part of our relationship, et cetera, et cetera. And I think there's no time that's too soon for you to jump right in to some kind of like deep conversation about whatever it is. And I think that in that, instead of just swallowing that 
kind of making a face, going home, texting all your friends, telling them what he said, trying to figure out what it means, and then deciding whether or not you want to go on a second date, ignore it and see if it happens again, which is an option. It's not the worst option. But another option is just to open up a dialogue right then and there, or even on the second date, if you choose to have one and say like, I, I'm super attracted to you. I had a great time on our first date. That joke that you made was kind of off-putting. And I just wanted to like open up a dialogue about like how you feel about this or like what your thoughts are. And then if you're into deep conversation, obviously I'm a therapist. I love doing that type of thing. So that's something that would be, if I was dating, like a turn on to me is to be able to like have a real conversation. It's almost the precursor to talking about like how I feel about you and how you feel about me. It's like, how do we feel about this mutual interaction that we had? It's like a step below um, how we feel about each other is how we feel about a moment that we had together. So I think that would be a great test to see, can he handle a confrontation? Can he handle a conversation and give him an opportunity to discuss it? Same thing where like, if you have a date and the guy doesn't text you for four days, I don't think it's crazy to say, like, when you go on the next date, I really like to be in touch with someone that I'm building a connection with. And that, you know, makes me feel closer. And that's something that I that I like and that I look for and put it out there. And if he's like, yeah, that's not my thing, then, you know, or if his answer yeah. is feels unsatisfying to you, then you also know. That's great advice. I have nothing to add. <laughs> <laughs> I know I think of that. That's great. Yeah. Well, I think that makes a lot of sense. And sorry, go ahead, Eric. Well, I was going to say from, I guess, the comedian uh, yeah, go front on jokes, especially. Uh, interesting that, you know, she was like, I don't like this joke. I think it's projecting domestic violence. And me reading the scenario, and I don't know if it's my comedic lens, but I more just sit there and go, well, it just sounds like you don't have the same sense of humor. Like without looking so deeply yeah. into it, because I've had the same thing with like a guy that makes a corny joke or a pun. And I'm like, I'm not a pun person. Mm-hmm. And I don't find this funny. But I don't yeah. sit there and go like, I don't know. I don't think of it when you made that you. pun, it made yeah. me feel like you were <laughs> like a <Yeah>. loser um, <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. Right. So, I mean, like yeah. off the gate, I was like, yeah, this this sounds like you probably don't have the same sense of humor. And I would I would more chalk it up to that as opposed to like the deepness of it. Um, but I get what she's saying of it's almost like, you know, people talk about the ick. Right. And right. I'm kind of someone that's like, I feel like the ick is for 24 year olds. I'm like, I feel like that's a very young thing. And I think sometimes it comes from feeling like you have all the options in the world. And as you get older, you're like, all right, obviously everybody has icks about them. And it's Mm -hmm. like, are the big things, you know, the real deeper deal breakers are like the more important things in a way, you know? Well, well, that was my only thought on like why, if you didn't want to say anything, because sometimes it's like when you, the fewer interactions you have with someone, the bigger part you assume they're part of their personality right yes whereas it could just be like a bad joke like if someone is late to your first date it's a really bad look because they don't have any other situations for what you to say oh this person this is like a rare thing if someone is late on your 12th date then like it's not as big of a it's not a big of a deal they've already built up that thing so sometimes like if someone like love let's say their favorite movie is like really terrible or yeah they tell a bad joke like I would see if it's a, I would bank that I would remember it, but I might see if, unless it was again, something that was really, really important to me, I might see if it's a pattern before making any full decisions rather than you have limited interactions with this person. We're all entitled to a bad joke here and there and like, see, you know, see how it goes. 
Yeah, it's, yeah. it's reminding me of a really bad date I went on recently with a guy that Eric and I now refer to as Gone with the Wind. Um, <laughs> so we're no he was dating, gone very quickly. He was gone, gone real quickly. Quick, he made a pretty off-color joke about like, I play volleyball. He made a pretty off-color joke about like volleyball uniforms. We were still waiting for our table. Like it was so early into our first mm-hmm. date. And I kind of, I leveraged the advice that I hadn't gotten from you at Dr. Naomi, which was like having that conversation and saying like, hey, when, you know, what do you mean by that? Because that, you know, that it doesn't, it's not hitting me in the way I think you wanted it to. And I didn't, it wasn't a deal breaker in that moment. But then I, like you said, Georgiana, I clocked it. I had it in the back of my head. He continued to make similar comments throughout the evening. About volleyball players? No, genistic. Oh, okay. (laughs) I was like, this guy has a really big volleyball um, (laughs) fetish. Real big volleyball fetish. Yeah. Yeah, no, just like continued type of humor that was in my opinion misogynistic but right. like just didn't jive with my values and and who I am and so then throughout the date I was able to realize okay that wasn't just one nervous bad joke this mm-hmm. is like this person's frame of reference and like this person's thought process and yeah I don't or like you're that. like read the room dude like well, right. yeah, the first one didn't land like they're gonna I make said another no. yeah. sexual right. joke like because uh, sometimes it's just that it's like just read the vibe because I do have sympathy for men a little bit of like every man hears women want a guy with a sense of humor and they read that as they want a guy who's funny. So usually on a date, some people get in their head of like trying to be funny and trying Mm -hmm. to be fun and make this a fun time. Cause like for men, one of the most rewarding things is like making a woman laugh. So I try to have a little sympathy with these things where it's like, yeah, they're kind of panicking a little on that front sometimes if they especially don't have the confidence of like, I am really funny and people tell me I'm funny. And you know, so like, like with Allie, I was like, eh, I get the first one. I'm like, I let the first one slide. Like he's trying to be funny. He's trying, he's trying to be, um, I don't know if you watch The Office, but it's like date Mike versus regular Mike. You know, like suddenly they go, you're you're on a date, date mode, funny mode. And mm-hmm. sometimes that makes them tank a little bit. So there's also that aspect I always think. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally agree. I do think that if you're interested in all other fronts and it was like one comment, I do think it makes sense to give him another try. Like you said, and everyone's sense of humor is different. Like some people are not sensitive to things like that and it doesn't bother them. And you, like you said, you might have the same sense of humor and not be offended by the same things or offended by the same things or not, you know, so I, for this listener, I think you can, there's no harm in giving it another shot and you can leave a date at any time. You can leave a relationship at any time. Um, So if you're on the fence, I, I think it doesn't hurt to, you know give it another try and see where it lands. Yes. Unless like, like you said, it becomes like a pattern and then you're like, okay, this is clearly a larger part of your personality. Right. And and I think also if you want to make it a deal breaker, like if that is really important to her and it's like, I wouldn't want to spend any more time with anybody who would make a joke like that. Like that's okay too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, this has been really awesome. I really enjoyed talking to you guys. Thank you so much for coming on. This was great. Thanks for having us. Yeah. I love these. I love these listener questions. These are, these are great. So thanks for, inviting us on um really nice to meet you guys yeah and um you guys can find their podcast over sharing wherever you listen to podcasts and i'm sure a bunch of our listeners already also listen to you up uh which has jordana and jared Fried. so thank you guys this was so great and so excited we got both of you same time (laughs) thanks again thank you bye bye talk to you next week